everybody. Welcome to You Were Born for this podcast with Father John Ricardo, Mary Guilfoyle, Albert Fada. We are a couple of missionaries. Actually, we're three missionaries at Acts 29. This is the podcast where we talk about anything and everything having to do with transformation in the church. Mary, Albert, we are on the 360-degree rooftop view at uh, the Notre Dame Center in Jerusalem and this is spectacular. It really, really is. I'm reminded immediately, Mary, of the times we would record in our old uh, studio down in downtown Detroit. We had like marching bands and police raids and all sorts of noise. So if it sounds a little loud, uh, that's because we are outside. We have people walking all around us with um, something to drink in their hands. We've got UN vehicles driving by, buses, motorcycles, cops. Um, we got a lot of activity. Muslim prayer call in the background. This is really wild. Uh, actually, uh, as we were walking back to our uh, hotel here, um, we saw um, our brothers and sisters headed to the synagogue, and that was really quite something yeah, as well um, for uh, for services. So we're just seeing extraordinary beauty and life amid an abundance of faith in one way or the other. And I just want to say, you all are here with us. Truly, Absolutely. we've been carrying you in our hearts and in our prayers. We're so excited to have you join us Amen. for this podcast. Every, every step of the way. I think this is a double event here. This is both a podcast and a little video podcast. I think we're going to post this on our streaming channel or the Acts 29 app on an iOS device. Uh, but it's it's a gift to be able to to do this right now. And we pray that this, uh, this sounds okay. You know, I wanted to invite you guys maybe just to... Let's just have a little conversation about the last two days. So we're recording this right now on Saturday night. So it's uh, the evening heading into the second Sunday of Lent. And yesterday we were still up in Galilee and we celebrated Mass um, in Peter's house or the built on top of Peter's house, the chapel there in um, Capernaum or Capernaum if you re read it in Greek. And, and then today we celebrated Mass in the Garden of Gethsemane, actually outside in the Garden of Gethsemane, or at least right across the street from it in the kind of the newer part. And, and I don't know about you guys, I was just utterly overwhelmed. You know, we made a big point of talking about how in Nazareth, there's a, a sign on the floor that says, um, verbum carl factum est hic. The word was made flesh here in this place or right near this place if it wasn't at this particular place. And yesterday when we were in um, in Galilee, we, you read John 6, which of course is Jesus's famous bread of life discourse. And the last verse in that chapter is all these things Jesus said in, and then it's the way to have it written for you to use for the readings. It's all caps, that synagogue in Capernaum. And then today is... Um, they rewrite the, uh, the, the, uh, the scriptures as well to change a word. And it says, this is in Matthew's gospel. Then Jesus went with them to this place called Gethsemane. So it's just I, I, third time I've been here, fifth time, I think, for you, second time for you. It's impossible to put this into words, right? It really is. You know, we, we, we often... I, I, we talk about how differently we read the scriptures and in particular the gospels after you have the the blessing to come to this holy holy city and it, and and it's it's like you're reading at least for me i don't know about you all but it's like i'm reading the fifth gospel for the second time because mm -hmm. this is the second time that i've been here um 
But we read the Gospels different every day. We read the Word of God different every day because we're different people, right? And so 25 years after my first visit, I'm a very different woman mm. than I was the first time I came here. So um, this is very fresh. Yeah. Just like when we read the scriptures from year to year, there's always something new here. So it's, it's been remarkable. I think I told you, Father John and Albert, that there isn't an adjective in the dictionary that adequately describes, that puts words to the profound experience, the sacredness of this experience. Um, and, and again, as Albert said, to bring all of you here with us to every mass and to place those petitions on the altar when the gospel is being proclaimed and we're praying for all of you as we do so. So yeah, it's, it's just, it's just a, such a grace. Yeah, yeah. I, I believe Albert, if you're watching on video, Albert just tried to push me off the top of the roof. I think that's what I just saw. <laughs> trying to get him to lean in a little bit. I don't know. I, I felt like I was going down and uh, it was nice knowing everybody. But you know what, Mary, as you're talking about that and, and, and Albert, you made a point of saying that we're, we're carrying everybody with us. When we were yesterday in Galilee in Peter's house, so the, the, the church is kind of like an octagonal, well, it's a, it's, it's a strange shaped church on top of an octagonal house. And the church is built on top of it, and then there's this glass floor, so you can look down into uh, the, you know, the first century house that was Simon Peter's house. Mm -hmm. And so, this is obviously the area where the um, the man who was paralyzed was lowered down through the roof by his friends. And I think we were all talking after mass. You know, we're carrying this bag of intentions with us that everybody has. Uh, so graciously allowed us to carry and we, we we quite literally just placed the bag right there and in our prayer we're just lowering each and every one of you and all the people uh, who've asked us to pray for them down in front of Jesus first on the mass the most empower, uh, incredible way to pray that there is and then in our prayers after Mass, that was just an amazing visual, wasn't it? It absolutely is. I, you know, one of the things that you said, Padre, that we, we don't have a word, word to express, and that is so true, but the word that does come to mind is incarnational. You know, it, being here yeah, moves great. incarnation from being something uh, theoretical that we think about to something that we live. And, and so just even, as you're saying, bringing prayers before the Lord and lowering them through that roof is just another way to the incarnation of our prayer for for you. It's it's um, it's truly just remarkable to experience. And didn't we all? I, I think experienced yesterday. We, we all made a point, all of us uh, in the group, uh, just talking about how, in a really powerful way, being there. Right, the Peter's house is right across the street from the synagogue which is built on top of the synagogue that Jesus would have given the bread of life discourse in in John 6, we all walked out just saying something to the effect of, weren't you just overwhelmed with gratitude that we have the faith in the real presence that we have? Like not just faith in Jesus, but faith in the Eucharist. And especially right now as we were preparing for the Eucharistic revival or we're, we're underway with the Eucharistic revival heading towards the the Eucharistic Congress in Indianapolis soon. I, I was almost like moved to tears, like, Lord, thank you that I believe this is really your body and blood that I'm receiving. What, did, did that hit you guys too? Completely. Go ahead, Albert. Yeah, I, one of the things that struck me is, I, I suspect there was a group of Protestant brothers and sisters singing a beautiful time, a beautiful song right at the time of the Eucharist. And yeah. I, I was just filled with gratitude for them, for their prayer. And a great desire for them to experience 
receiving the Lord himself the way we get to. It, yeah. it, it really, truly, it, did, it didn't give me a sense of um, superiority in any way. It was more like just a love for them and a desire for them to experience the Lord the way we are just blessed to experience him. Well, you both know that I, 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 I love the word of God like we all do. Um, but there is, we have it all. We have it all. We have this rich deposit of the faith. Mm. And, 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 and just, I, I think too, I, Archbishop Aquila gave a beautiful, beautiful homily yesterday mm. about the power of the Eucharist and what we could do practically as we received mm. Jesus in the Eucharist. And he was talking about um, our, our world leaders, our nation's leaders, those in our families maybe who no longer practice the faith that practically in our prayer, after we can, after we receive Jesus, body, blood, soul, and divinity, that we should pray that, that, our, that our family and our friends and our leaders would be bathed mm. in the Eucharist. That, mm. that really struck me. I don't know about you guys, um, but that is something practical that we can do because we have something that we so desire them to have. Yeah, in fact, you made the point of uh, saying, somebody had asked him one time, like, how do you, why do you hold the chalice up so long? And he says, because I'm placing people into it. Uh, as I'm lifting it up, I thought that was just a beautiful, uh, a beautiful image for us to have a practical takeaway, as you were saying, Mary, uh, for when we come to Mass, or in my case, when I'm privileged to be able to celebrate Mass. You know, I wonder if I can shift gears a little bit to today, just quickly, and the experience that we had in Gethsemane. So we, we began the day by going over to Holy Sepulchre, which, by the way, if you're watching on video, is uh, right over there. So you'll see there's a like a, a white, there's a tall tower here, then there's a shorter tower, and then you can see a white cross. That white cross is on top of Holy Sepulchre. That's uh, that's Golgotha, correct? I believe that's Golgotha, and then closer to us is the tomb, and then you can see the Dome of the Rock a little bit farther out, the gold dome. So that's the original temple, which is now a, a Muslim mosque. That's the, the site of Abraham's uh, sacrifice of Isaac, which doesn't take place. So you can see how close one father didn't um, or spared his son at God's command to another father who shares his son with us and whose son willingly goes to the cross on our behalf. It's just kind of, as you stand here looking at these two places, like that's a couple of long six irons, you know, from one dome to the other. It's really spectacular. But we're talking today about um, we're in Gethsemane and we're we were just overwhelmed, at least I was overwhelmed by an image that the Lord gave of why, so yesterday we had we talked about Sophie Scholl, who we, we reference often in the Rescue Project and, and just in our ministry, this heroic 21-year-old girl who, you know, was an agent of resistance and an agent of sabotage to the, to the Hitler regime. And he's, she's executed at 21 years old. And she leaves her prison cell on her way to be beheaded. And her comment is, uh, it's such a lovely day and I have to go. And contrasting that with Jesus, who on the day he's about to offer up his life, is sweating blood, utterly collapses, falls to the ground, looks like he has a breakdown. And it's like, what gives? How, how come a 21-year-old girl approaches her death with with so much calm and the eternal son of god does what he does well i think oftentimes people they're they're confused about what's going on with jesus and jesus isn't simply like dreading dying the way you and i are dreading dying jesus is 
about to enter into conflict alone against uh, the principalities and powers, against Satan and against hell and against all the demons. And he's, he, he knows what he's about to do. He's, so he's, he's not only going to become sin, he's going to go to war. And the image that the Lord gave me would be like, so imagine a man single-handedly like showing up at the gates of Auschwitz and, and attempting to liberate everybody inside them unarmed. Like in, in, ridiculous, right? Impossible. But, but somehow he does it. And, and then he moves on to every concentration camp in Germany or Poland. And then he moves on to the gulags in, in the Soviet Union. And then he moves on to all the places, not just in 1945, but of all time, single-handedly, like knocking on the gates saying, I'm here for them. It's laughable, right? It's absurd, but it gives an image of why Jesus is as perplexed is the wrong word, crushed as he is because that's what he's about to do. Does that make sense to you guys? Absolutely. I, I was just, and, and then I kept saying like, and, and why is he doing this? So like, I, I see Jesus, this is what I, the image that I had. I saw Jesus on the ground, you know, sweating blood, praying to the Father, Father, if, if it's your will, let this cup pass. And then I saw him see each one of you. Like I did this for Mary, I did this for Albert, I did this for, you know, for Joe, I did this for Steve, I did this for John. And then I saw him just like push himself up off the ground. And the last thing he sees in his mind is our faces. And he says to the father, I hope this doesn't sound corny. I, I just see him like push himself up. He says to the father, let's do this. Like, let's get him. Let's bring him back. Let's go to war. Let's bring him home. And that's what God did for me and what he did for you. Like, that's how much we mean to God, you that know, these things are real. You know, Father John, that homily affected us all uh, so deeply um, to the point of tears for more than a few of us. And I think I mentioned this in our last conversation, our last video chat that we had, that knowing the price that he was about to pay, knowing what he was about to do. Like I, I said to my husband, Steve, I said, I don't know a warrior like that. Yeah. I don't know a general like that. Yeah. I don't know love like that who allowed himself to be spat upon and mocked and stripped. I, I don't know love like that. And if I knew love like that, how different my life and my witness Amen. would be. And, and, and I was journaling as you were giving the homily and um, my desire is to go back and pray with that again. There's so much... There's so much that we're going to be unpacking this pilgrimage for some time, obviously. But again, it just reminds me, like, what should my response be to a warrior that fights like that, to an athlete that battles like that? There is no one, there's no one who would do that for us other than Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, the Holy One, the Mighty One. Yeah, you know, I'm, even as you're speaking, Mary, I'm, I'm just struck by the, the gift that it is for us to be here and to bring everybody with us at this time. We're in Lent. Tomorrow's the second Sunday of Lent. We're, we're four weeks from celebrating the Passion, you know, and to have this fresh in our minds. And, and please, God, to be able to share some of these things with you, hoping that the graces that we're experiencing are, are coming through the, uh, 
through the podcast or through the video cast because you you are so present to us and, and will continue to be in these days and and tomorrow we get to go to your hometown that's right we get to go to bethlehem which is not only where my father was born but my grandfather isa which is jesus in arabic was born as well yeah i just can't wait it, it, it's, it's a little backwards we started in galilee we're now in uh we, we went to holy sepulchre today prayed at gethsemane tomorrow we're going to the the place where jesus was born but um it's just a grace upon grace Amen. upon grace so um we'll, we'll look forward to continuing to share with with all of you what it is that the lord's doing here with us but we're we're so tangibly carrying all of you we're grateful for your prayers for us just ask jesus to continue to bless you to fill you with his peace especially those of you who might feel agitated right now or anxious or fearful as Joan tells us over and over again, do not be afraid. God is with you, and you were born for this.